Well, you can be seated in the house of God. What a good Friday, huh? What a great day to be alive. What a great day to serve our God who is not sleeping, he's not tired, but he's alive and well. You know, Buddha died of dysentery. Muhammad's in the grave, but how many know the grave could not hold him? And so when he rose up, we rose up. When he got victory, we got victory. He did it. The revelation you have to get is he did it for you and me. He did it for you and me. As we look at this tonight, as we celebrate this wonderful resurrection season of Easter and Passover, I always love to go back to the time when I was in the Squirrel Hill Temple learning Hebrew when I first moved back to Pittsburgh. And I'll never forget the night I sat in the Seder where they brought the bitter herbs and the wine and the bread and the egg and the different, the hyssop, the bowl. And in a Hebrew language, they would describe what the Passover looked like about 3,500 years ago that is established where the Bible calls Jesus the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. And so in this Seder meal, which means order, I was just kind of hiding from the people because I just kept weeping. They were looking at me, something wrong with you, bro? <laughs> As a Christian sitting in the Hebrew temple in the Jewish uh, understanding of the basics of the Hebrew language, celebrating the Passover. And so as we did this, it, it, it shocked me that this was done back then, the four cups and this celebration of Passover with the Jewish people. It all starts in Exodus 12, and if you would, I think it's going to come up on the screen, but let me read that to do justice to the glory and honor of our God who everything in the Old Covenant is a type and a shadow of what was to come. This type and shadow, as I sat there, I couldn't help but see Jesus more clearly. And I believe tonight you're going to see it too. But as we look at Exodus 12, if any household is basically too small for a whole lamb, 430 years the Israelites would be stuck in Egypt. They would be stuck in this place under the tyranny of a pharaoh that was prophesied in Genesis that God said, but I will bring you out with a mighty hand. And so in this Passover celebration, we see everyone had to have a lamb. Just that alone that God said, you need a lamb. Everyone go get a lamb. And this lamb had to be raised where we were on the outskirts of Bethlehem. It had to be raised near the Migdal Eder, which was the shepherd's tower, that these lambs were set apart that had to be pure, holy, and spotless without blemish. Because you would never come before in the temple without blood. The Bible says in Leviticus, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. So how many know there's a demand on the law that blood had to be shed? And in the, in the temple, they would lay their hands even on a scapegoat once a year during the time of atonement. And they would lay their hands on that goat and they would confess the sins of the people. 
And that's where we get the word scapegoat, that that goat would be released into the wilderness in hopes that God's judgment would fall out there and not on the people. And if the, if the head priest would come out of that most holy place and he was still alive, they would know that another year the sins have been forgiven for the people. So going through the motions year after year, and this Passover meal said, I'm going to bring you out with a mighty hand, but I need every family to get a lamb. How many know he still needs every family to have a lamb? He needs every family to know the lamb. And so as we read the scriptures, it says, he must have one. Share nearest with your neighbor. Having taken into account the number of the people that are to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with each person, the animals you choose must be year-old males with no defect, taken from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. And when the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they did eat the lambs. And that same night they would eat the meat roasted over fire and along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat it raw or boiled with water, but roast it with fire, with the head, the legs, and the internal organs. It is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on and your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. And I love this. And the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no destructive plague can even touch you when I strike Egypt down. How many realize when God sees the blood of the Lamb, no disease, no sickness... No disaster, no calamity in these last days. I want to tell you, we got to be confident in this. That when I see the blood, when I see you take the hyssop and dip it in the bowl and you make this symbol and you put it on the top of the door, the lentil on this side, this side. Interesting, it's the sign of the cross because everything was a type and a shadow. And I realize that COVID can't come near you. Cancer can't come near you. Sickness and disease has been broken. The power of death has been broken over your life. And the spirit of fear can't come near you when you believe that the blood of Jesus is posted on the doorpost of your heart. I will give you a promise. And here's the four cups. Ready? We're going to celebrate this tonight. I want you to just celebrate with me. Exodus 6.6. 6. These four cups are actually four promises. These are four promises. The Seder meal would have four cups of wine that they would drink. And this would be where we would see that they are four promises that God gave to the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt. And it's Exodus 6, 6, and these are them. And I'll go into each one. And then we'll celebrate communion on the third one. It says, therefore, say unto the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with my outstretched arm. 
and with my mighty acts of judgment. I will take you to be my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Wow. As we look at this and we see, never was a night like this night on Passover. And you know the story how, and I want you to be very careful how you interpret this because it's in the, it's in the permissive sense because God has no death in him. God has no power. Uh, he has power over death, but there is no death in God. And when you say that, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. But when we look at this, we, we think that, man, God killed everybody. God could kill. Whoa, 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 whoa. It says that God permitted the death angel. How many know if, if God permits something and then the devil comes in like a flood? But how many know the Spirit of God raises up a standard against him? we got to understand this clearly. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above in whom there's not even a shadow of turning in him. But the realization is if, if God is off the scene, how many know the devil tries to get place? And so this death angel came in and struck down all the firstborn. God told them, he said, here's what I want you to do. And I want, to, I want before I get into this first cup, I want you to see this because I have a prophetic word that the Lord said, I'm about to pass over again in America. I'm about to pass over in America. In other words, you're about to go through a Red Sea and you're going to come out with victory. And you know what he told them to do? He said, go knock on the door of your enemy. How many know the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just? And he said to them, ask them, give me your Armani suit, give me your new shoes. I want to give, I, I want your jewels, I want your rings, and I want your money. And you know they said, go serve your God. God was getting ready to pass over. They were getting ready to go through the Red Sea as a type of baptism. And they were going to come out the other side victorious. And God was going to fight their enemies. God was going to take care of, of Pharaoh and his whole army just like that. And I, I just have a word for you. How many believe God can do something just like that? And I believe what he's saying right now in the culture, in the climate in which we live, we're concerned about all this stuff. But how many know God can still do something just like that? And he doesn't have to depend on a government or a president or a senator or a mayor. How many know he can use his governing body called the church? And that's what he's doing in this hour. So as we pass over, I encourage you, you pass over some of that sickness. You pass over that debt. You pass over that anxiety. You pass over that addiction. You let God bring you out with a mighty hand. This season, this resurrection power is alive in you. So this first cup, this first cup of the Seder meal, which was the Passover meal, so you know that Jesus was celebrating at that last supper. Go get me a donkey. Go get a room. We're going to celebrate Passover in this room. And so this first cup that we celebrate in the Passover Seder is called the cup of sanctification. This is the first word that God gives, which is a type and a shadow to the Egyptians that he was going to strike down the firstborn, and to the Israelites, he was going to bring them out. And he said, this is called the cup of sanctification. I will bring you out with a mighty hand. How many know God wants to bring you out of bondage? God wants to bring you out of slavery. God wants to bring you out of whatever you're enslaved to. It doesn't matter. It can be pornography. He'll bring you out. It can be diabetes. He'll bring you out. 
Whatever you're enslaved to, God says, I want you out of that. Because Egypt was a type of sin. And so this first cup of sanctification, or in Christianity we call it the cup of salvation, Second Peter would say, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by there ye might be partakers of this divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. What are we escaping? You see, they were forced into slavery to make bricks. Why? Because if you study Exodus 1, after Joseph passed off the scene, Exodus 1 is all about, man, the Hebrews are multiplying and increasing, and they're becoming dominant, and their children are being born so quick, and their families are increasing, and they're blessed. What happens if they become a mighty, strong people? They'll take us over. So let us build treasure cities and put them slaves in these cities and let them make bricks and let them make straw and let's oppress them. How many know the devil loves to oppress people? How many know for 400 and some years, some say 30 scholars say, but 400 and some years, God said at the end of that, I will bring you out. Number two, what they try to do. Come on, the devil has no new tricks. He said, let's kill every baby male boy. And so I'm in Cairo many times, and we stay near a hotel on the Nile where they say this is the spot where they threw all the firstborn males into the Nile River. And I thought, that murderous spirit, the author of death from the beginning, the father of lies, the one that wants to take out your potential, the one that wants to kill the seed, the one that loves that abortion clinics stay open. He's still trying to take our potential, our next generation, and our seed. But thank God for the blood. Can I have an amen? Number three, he said, get up earlier. We're taking away the straw from the making of your bricks so you'll be so tired, so worn out, and ineffective that you won't be able to celebrate that cup of sanctification or salvation. But how many know God's interested in bringing everybody out of Egypt and out of bondage and out of sin? Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given unto us where mankind must be saved, but everyone shout his name together. Jesus. One more time. Who's the king of kings? So today, he tells us, is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. And this cup of salvation means that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the Seder, in the order of service, I love this because as they pulled this out in the Hebrew class, I was like, this has three compartments. And what they would say is, we always at the Seder put a piece of matzah in every single spot here, which is full of holes, stripes, and holes. Isn't that interesting? Because Isaiah 53 says he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain our peace was laid upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed. His body was broken with the stripes that wounded him, with the piercing of his skin on the crown of thorns and the piercing of his hands and his feet. The Bible says if Satan knew the plan of God, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So we get to the second cup and we find out that people are now saved. They're delivered. They've come out of Egypt. 
They're, they're in this brand new place on the other side of this Red Sea where their enemies are ineffective. And now God said, I've given you provision. He said, I've given you healing. He even told the Egyptians after the Israelites left them, he said, what I'm going to do is when I bring you out, not one's going to be blind, one's going to be lame, one's going to be halt. How many know I'm done with Christians being sick? Are you? You have a provision from your father called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. He is the Lord, your physician. And I encourage you tonight when you partake of this, take the meal that heals. Because healing is part of our covenant promise. This second one, he took up the cup to take a sip. And he said, this is the cup of, I love this because this is so relevant to where we live today. They call this in Judaism, the cup of deliverance. Deliverance. You say, Pastor, what's that, what's that really mean? How many know I, 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 I got saved in 1972 and a half and I think 50 years now? almost, and, and I realize that I've seen Christians live like hell on earth. I've seen Christians that have no victory, no breakthrough. Love Jesus, they're on their waiting to get to heaven, but man, they're crawling to the pearly gates. They're just depressed, tired, sick, broke, can't get along in their marriage, kids don't serve the Lord, and, and they never, they got saved, but they never got delivered. And so there's Christians out there, they, they can't get the victory, man. They just, they just they seem to live in an addiction. They seem to live in an oppression of their past. They seem to live with a spirit of fear. They, they don't have that abundant life that God died to give us. He said, the devil has a plan for your life. In John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. How many know his plan is the abundant life? That means deliverance. So he said, not only will I bring you out with my outstretched arm, he said, I will deliver you. And can I tell you, sometimes it's easier to get out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of people. Because the oppressive thoughts of the mind tend to pull you back to that old life, that old problem. You'll never go forward looking in the rearview mirror of what used to be. You'll crash, you'll have a wreck, you'll get stuck. But you'll never move forward. How many know today, it's a day of deliverance. It's a day of freedom. Jesus died because he said, whom the sun set free is free indeed. This, isn't this crazy that the, the Jews 3,500 years ago were celebrating what we believe today? I look at this and I go, wow. John 8, 36. If the sun shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I want to bring you out of slavery, but I also want you to be delivered so you can serve God and you can be delivered from abusive habits and past hurts and unforgiveness and brokenheartedness and generational curses that because I delivered you, Jesus said, you can live a transformational way of life. You can think differently. You have the mind of Christ. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. But I love this in Colossians 1, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Someone give a shout. Who's delivered us from the, and translate us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, today, I want to talk to you who are full of condemnation and guilt and shame. That we all could be if we listen to that lying voice. And the devil and his demons and your thinking patterns. If your mind's not renewed, I always want to pull you back to what you did 
last year, two years ago, five years ago. They want to pull you back into that horrific divorce, and that horrific bankruptcy, into that horrific addiction. They always want to pull you back so you don't live in a state of being delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. But thank God he's transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And to stay in the light, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Don't isolate yourself in this season of these last days. Get in your group. Find your tribe. Get in your church. Get rooted. Get planted. Produce fruit. Because God has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Someone say, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on, decree it. Say, I'm free tonight. This was interesting. This next cup. This is the cup right here. This is the this cup. This, this cup right here. This is the cup. So powerful. Because see, now you got salvation. Man, I remember in the 70s when we came out of bondage and my parents found this church in Oakmont, Oakmont Baptist Church and Pastor. And then, then everybody was talking about deliverance, getting delivered. Get you need delivered. People look at you funny. You need deliverance. My, I lost all my hair because they thought I needed a lot of deliverance, and they laid a lot of hands on my head, and I think that's where my hair went. But then we get to the point where, listen to this. He said, I will redeem you. Now, this is interesting because this is the third cup of the Seder, the Passover, and this third cup is literally the one that Jesus held up, and he didn't do the fourth cup. He never, never got to the fourth cup. This was the cup that was so powerful because he said, I'm going to redeem you. Redeem, pastor, redeem. What, what would the word redeem mean? Literally to buy back, to re, to buy back. Why would he buy us back with the purchasing us with his own blood? At this last supper, I will redeem you. I will restore you. Restoring something back to its original condition for God's purposes and his original intent. Guess what it was? Genesis 1.26. I made you in my image. In my likeness, I made you to be fruitful. I made you to multiply. I made you to increase. And I made you to take dominion. Come on, give a shout if you believe that. Now, we can shout in church, but can I tell you the statistics on this? If you talk to Pastor Chris Hodges, head of the ark, he said many people take of the first cup. He said many Christians in high percentages always live right here. And there's a statistic he found out that in the cup of redemption, in this promise, this promise, 87% of Christians never make it to the cup of redemption. The understanding of true redemption. Pastor, what's that mean? That God took you all the way back to when he created you. And he said, I made you for dominion. I made you to rule and reign. I made you to be one of the kings on the earth who Jesus is the king of kings. I made you to rule and reign in life as kings. And so, so we, we kind of, well, come on, Pastor. Come on, Jesus. Help me out a little bit to bring me back. When I was a little kid, I used to take all my, my crazy relatives would have these big parties. And I don't know if you remember back in the 70s, 
everyone had these big sinks full of ice. And at our house, they had beer in one of them at my grandfather's and tons of beer in another one. And they had Regent Pop. Anyone remember Regent Pop? And so I found out something that those Regent Pop bottles empty were worth a nickel. You can't even get a seed for a nickel. You can't buy anything for a nickel. But I was like, these people are getting drunk. I'm going to take all the bottles. I'm going to take, I had my car loaded. My dad said, where are you going with that? I said, I'm going to take these back to shop and save. A seven-year-old boy, I got 40 bottles. That was a lot of money back then. And I would get those bottles, and you know what I'd do? Some of them had dirt on them. Some, I would clean them up. And I would make sure they presentable so I could bring them back to the shop and save. And I put a, push them in a cart, and I go to the lady. I got 40 bottles, and they do the math, and they click out, and they hand me some dollars. And I said, yes. It said, redeem your bottles here. And I thought that was interesting because you know what God does? He finds old, dirty things, and he washes them, and he cleanses them. And he says, I'm going to use you again. I'm going to use you again. I'm going to fill you again. I'm going to put something in you that's going to be useful so that the world can be poured out on from something that's on the inside of you. So I went, wow, redemption. Redemption is literally that Jesus purchased us, but he redeemed us so he could restore us back to our original purpose. So I look at the scriptures, and I go, this cup of redemption. 2 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. You're purchased with a price. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. How many realize you belong to God? What if we believe we belong to God. What if we believe that this godly fear, this awe, that he's awesome. Not, oh my gosh, but a, a, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's incredible. He's a good God. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This was so powerful because... There's a good friend of mine. I think he might be doing a Seder tonight, but I grew up with him. He was one of my dad's best friends, Yale Levin. And every year, Yale would do a Seder. And Yale's still alive. He's in his 80s. And Yale said, when I was in my 20s, I was in a Seder and a Passover where they literally hid some things. And, and then a kid would go find out where this was. And if the kid found out where they hid it, they would redeem it with money. They would buy it back. And he's sharing all this. But they would do one thing in the ritual of the Passover, and they would say in their studies, why is this night not like any other night? And Yale was standing at the door in Jeanette, PA. And he said, I heard a voice go, why is this night not like any other night? And he turned around, and I seen a bright light. And he said, for this is the night that I redeemed you. This is the night I bought you back. This is the night when I brought you with my blood so that I could redeem you to the place I designed you to be. He said, that was the beginning of my conversion of salvation, to get saved, to get delivered. But to be redeemed is having an understanding of why God created you with this purpose. And so this was this night 
that this last supper that Jesus said he took the cup. Do you have communion elements here today? Would you open them right now? Could we do this right now and not go any further until we honor and celebrate the remembrance of how he redeemed us and purchased us? And can I tell you tonight, when you begin to understand how valuable you are to God, when you begin to understand that God so loved you that he gave his only son for you, that whoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life's incredible because death has no power over us any longer. But our life, because we're purchased and bought and redeemed by the blood, is filled with life, life, and more life. But Jesus said this is the, the bread that night at this Last Supper. He pulls out this unleavened bread, which was a type of the Bread without yeast in it. They had to cook it quick and get it ready. Get your shoes on. I want you to be ready. For this is the Lord's Passover. Jesus is celebrating Passover. And he pulls that bread up and he says, This is my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. So this season of the year, I love to go back and remind that Jesus was celebrating Passover and he held up the bread which represented his own body and that literally shortly thereafter his hands would be pierced and stripes would be on his back and his body would be broken for humanity. So Father, today we thank you for sending your only son. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that he was broken in every way, spiritually, mentally, physically. The devil tried to have his way. In hell, Father God, three days in the heart of the earth. As Jonas was in the belly of the well, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. But Father, you said he spoiled principalities and powers. And he rose up triumphant over them. And I thank you, Father God, death could not hold him. And so tonight we remember the broken body of Jesus. We remember the whipping post. And we decree tonight, this is the meal that heals. And by the stripes that wounded you, Jesus, this is all about you tonight. We are healed and made whole. Mental anguish is leaving minds. Addictions are being broken. Past issues are falling off people tonight. Because you are the God that healeth thee. I bless this bread. And Father, I celebrate forever grateful for what you've done for me. Would you just close your eyes and make it personal? Because he did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. And I'll tell you, this Easter sermon is going to be so much about the resurrection. That there's resurrection power available in you tonight. Do you believe it? Let's partake and celebrate in the name of Jesus. In the same manner Jesus took the cup. Right now you're healed. Right now you're healed. Right now you're healed.
I heard it, Holy Spirit. Right now, diabetes is drying up. Right now, cancer is leaving. Right now, back problems are leaving. Right now, someone has a problem with your foot. God's healing it. Right now, tendonitis, I heard. Tendonitis, right now, you're healed. That pain has to go right now. Come on, receive it. That pain is leaving your body right now. I command it to, I drive it out by the Spirit of God. Insomnia, yep. Can't sleep at night. You're going to go home, sleep like a baby. You're going to sleep like a baby because God loves you. God loves you. He died for you. He was beaten and whipped so that you could be healed and whole. Don't believe it another day that you have to live that way. And there's someone here, you're sick all the time. The Lord said that's called a spirit of infirmity. I drive it out by the word of God and I drive it out in the name of Jesus. I drive it out of you. Stop the expectation of your mind thinking you have to be sick all the time. That's a lie from hell. You're coming out of bondage. You're being delivered. And you're redeemed. He took the cup. This is the cup of my new covenant. As often as you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. Think about this. I want to redeem you. I want to get you back to your original purpose. I want to get you back to your purpose. I want to get you back to why I created you, to rule and reign as a king in the earth. I had this crown of thorns on my head, Jesus. And they said, are you a king? And he said, for this cause I was born. This cause came I into the world. I wanted to die as a king, raise again as a king so that you could raise up with him and learn to rule and reign as a king. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that redeems us, that purchases us, Father, that bought us back. Even the forgiveness of sins, that you're not holding anyone's guilt, shame, and sin against them. You obliterated it by the blood of Jesus. And tonight, Father God, a million years from now, we'll be celebrating around your throne room and we'll be thanking you for the blood. We'll be thanking you for the finished work of Jesus. We'll be thanking you for the Holy Ghost. We'll be thanking you that there is in Christ no condemnation. Yesterday's gone. Today's a brand new day. Father, I thank you that we live in the power of this cup of redemption. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus that washed us and cleansed us, redeemed us, and bought us. As we celebrate tonight, <laughs> the devil just has no power because of the blood. Father, I lift up this cup and I thank you for your son. I decree we are free, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled. Look just like Jesus. Ruling and reigning, full of redemption in this life. We honor you now in Jesus' name. Would you partake? The Lord said there's a few folks here tonight and, and uh, oppression's a real thing. Anxiety's a real thing. Uh, bad habits and thinking patterns, but they're crushed now by the blood of Jesus. They're crushed now by the blood of Jesus. They're crushed now by the blood of Jesus. There's an oppressive stronghold on your mind, but in the name of Jesus, by the blood, I say it's broken. 
Come on, say it's broken. Everybody in this place says it's broken. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you, we're free from bondage. Thank you, we're delivered. Thank you, you redeemed us. But let me close here with this fourth cup. This cup. In fact, I, I just seen that statistic. How many know at Grace Life Church, we're not that 87% that doesn't understand redemption. We get it. Say we get it. Father, I thank you. We take our dominion and we know how you redeemed us and how to walk it out. This last cup, the cup of acceptance, or it would be called the Hallel, the cup of praise. And you say, what's that, what's that mean, Hallel? Hallelujah. That's where we get the word to celebrate and praise the Most High God, to celebrate the Hallel. So, so listen, you're... you're, 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 you're Experiencing salvation, man. You, then you got deliverance and you're free. How many know we need that deliverance to stay free? And then you're redeemed and you have an understanding of what Jesus did to purchase you. And now you get your identity back that how you're supposed to operate in life. But he says, this fourth cup, there's something incredible about it. Because this cup of praise, some call it the cup of fulfillment. Fulfillment. That the devil has a plan to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has a plan that you might live the abundant life. He said, I came that you might live life to the full till it overflows. Well, wait a minute. He says, I will make you, this last one, I will make you a people. Hallelujah. I will make you a people. I will make you a governing body. I will make you my ecclesia. This is for Christians. I will call you out. I will give you a plan and a purpose and fulfillment. But this is the important thing about this, about the Israelites and about the church. He said, you'll never fulfill your call and your purpose alone. I will, this is the first cup that he says, I will make you a people. Everything else is individual. But this is the one he says, I want to make you a people. I, wa I want you to be part of a church. You can't do your part in the body of Christ. You can't be part of the ecclesia detached. For people that live in isolation, seek their own desire and rage against all wise judgment. I can't do this without Alan and Andrea. I can't do this without Doreen and Kim and Vinny. I can't do this without you. We need sound people. We need musicians. We need ushers. We need God says, I want to make you a flourishing body. Those planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, Psalms 92, in the courts of our God. Man, their roots will grow deep and they'll be strong like an oak tree, a palm tree. They'll be flexible. He goes on and on. But I love this because doing something for others, for eternity, is our purpose. I love what Rabbi Lappin says. He said, God gave you something beautiful. He's given you a, I call it your metron, your sphere of influence, your gifting, your authority, your ability, that on this planet for these 100 years, 90 years, whatever you live, God's given you something to give away. God's given you something to do with your hands, but you stay isolated from the group of people. And God said, I didn't call you to operate like that. You need a tribe. You need a life group. You need a church. You need iron to sharpen iron so the countenance of a man sharpens another man. What if my church would come together in unity and take dominion?
then we'd all be praising God together. People say, look what God did. That's what he's doing. We're not looking to Washington, D.C. We are the government. We are the God's government in the earth. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones out of darkness in the light. Praise him. Someone say praise him. That God had a plan before the foundations of the world that, that we would be his governing body in the earth that we would praise God together, that we would have a church together, that we'd pay off a building together, get another one and fill it with more people that would be a group of people. I will make Abraham, I'll make you a people. I'll bless you and your children's children's children. Wow. So the fulfillment, and I love this, this is so powerful, that Jesus says in Matthew 26, As they ate, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples. He said unto them, this is my body. Eat it. Taking of the cup of wine, he gave thanks to the Father. He entered into the covenant with them, saying, this is the blood. Each of you must drink of the fulfillment of the covenant. For this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. And look, look at verse 29. This is the key that tells us he didn't drink the fourth cup. He says right here, and next time we drink this, it will be with you, and we will drink it together with new understanding in the kingdom realm of my Father. And they sang a psalm and left the Mount of Olives. Wait a minute. Next time we drink, Next time we drink, you know the Bible says in Revelations that the one who is and was and is to come, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I'm alive forevermore. But guess what? That fourth cup's waiting. There's going to be a day where we all come together for a big banquet. And that's called the marriage supper of who? Of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I will not drink again. I will not drink again after the third cup. Before we celebrate that fourth cup with him in heaven, I think there's an important question you have to answer. That when he says, and those whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice it's the Lamb's book of life. Is your name in that book tonight? He provided his blood for salvation. He provided his blood for deliverance. He provided his blood for redemption. And he provided his blood so that we would come together as the body of Christ in unity. And in Ezekiel it says, in this last day, I want you to prophesy to the dry bones. And I saw the ankle bone come to the femur bone and the foot bone and the pelvis bone and the backbone and the arm bone. And all these bones were coming together. And I said, can these bones live? And he said, you know, Lord. He said, prophesy now to the bones and call the church alive. Call the church full of power. Call the church anointed. Call the church a living being. Come on, give it praise, give it praise.
That's a cup of praise. Stand up, stand up. Stand up. Listen, in this place tonight, before we sing our last song and let you go, man, can I tell you, God is so good. He loves you so much. Do you hear what I'm talking about, these details? What he went through for you? What he went through for me? What he devised was that blood had to be shed. God didn't trust a human being. He sent his only son. Can I get this in your spirit tonight? That wasn't human blood. That was God's blood. He came in a human body. And the sacrifice needed to purchase you. He did it all. He wanted you to stand here and praise him with a cup of praise, the Hallel, and say, Nick Wiskowitz, your life matters. He wanted to say, Gabriel, your life matters. He wanted to say, Mike, you have a plan. Dan, you have some stuff I want you to fulfill. I want you to live your life in pastor. I want you to preach. I want you to orn. I want you to run sound. I have a Hallel for you. And when you fulfill your purpose, God says there's nothing but rejoicing because we're going to get to heaven and we're going to get ready to take of that cup. And he said, Skylar, plant a seed. You did what I called you to do. Doreen, you can golf like a... Finney, you can sell. Aaron, you dance for me. I gave you that Metron and you danced all over. Every time they asked you, you said, let's do it. Can I say tonight... This isn't a perfect pastor, and we're not perfect people, but we're redeemed, and we're forgiven, and we're spotless, and we're healed, and we're standing here in God's presence tonight because of what? Not what I have done, what He has done for me. That's why we give praise. And one day